in thinking about Memorial Day and reading the definition of memorial as something intended to honor the memory of a person or event, I wondered what shape that might take at the current time. As much as we are surrounded by the reality of death, it is easy to lose the honoring part in the statistics. It is easy to run from the reality of it in the rush to return to normal. It is easy to forget what, at our best, we know we should remember. When I hear people say, we will get through this. We will come through this together. We will be better than ever. I want to ask, who are we? Now listen, I understand and appreciate that this is meant to be an inspirational message of hope. I do. But I cannot ignore what is left unsaid, what such a statement is hiding. It is hiding the essential reality that we will not get through this all together. We already haven't gotten through it all together. We have already lost nearly 100,000 people in this country and how many worldwide and more will undoubtedly die. That is not being negative. That is just being real. It is not meant to be a political statement. It is not an invitation to compare the numbers of deaths to other pandemics or other countries or other causes of death. It is simply to say that people have died and that on this Memorial Day, we should not seek to hide or to hide from that reality. Each individual each person included on the front page of the New York Times today and countless others, as well as all those who have died outside of this country, each individual was living a story and was part of a larger story, the story of we. It is not being negative or driving a political point or inviting comparison of death tolls. It is to say that we dismiss the reality of these deaths and of the reality of dying at risk of our own humanity. It is to say that we cannot afford to forget to remember. And on this Memorial Day, it is worth remembering not only those things that we are reminded to remember, those things we feel we should remember, but all of our memories, and more generally, that fascinating, frustrating, intricate, and mercurial process known as memory itself. Now, I realize that memory itself is impossible to tackle all at once, and certainly not within the confines of a sermon. Explorations into the biochemistry and wiring of the brain as they relate to memory are producing amazing insights and changing the metaphors we use to describe remembering. My goal today is not to seek a comprehensive definition of what memory is, but rather explore just a few examples of how memory works in our lives 
and how we might honor those aspects of memory in engaging the meaning of our lives. First, what is it that we remember? How does our memory sift through all that happens to us to select those keeper moments? What do we remember about people who have died? What is it people may remember about us? There is a disorientation that I sometimes feel at memorial services, whether I am leaving one or simply in attendance. That feeling that time has stopped and I have entered a different space from that of my everyday life. Have you ever felt that? Even as a minister with a charge to grapple with matters of life and death and meaning, yet memorial services occupy a special vantage point. I realize that part of it is simply coming so close to death, to loss, to an unavoidable awareness of our own mortality. But the other piece, I believe, is recognizing that our memories of people who have died do not revolve around those areas of existence that so preoccupy us in our everyday life. Their opinion on this or that issue is no longer important. Their success in their career or any particular endeavor is no longer so important. The clothes they wore, the way they looked, their popularity in the community, their wealth, their stuff, their status in any given group, no longer so important. What do I remember? Who they were, how they were, with me, with other people, the small acts of generosity, the laughter shared, the sadness expressed, the tear in the corner of their eye, the expression of awe on their face as they witnessed a thing of beauty. Fleeting moments, minuscule points in time that one might not even expect to remember but there they are. That is what we remember. The disorientation we might feel at memorial services is the vertigo that follows the upending of our everyday priorities to fall in line with that which we now remember, the recognition of what is now clearly important. Would we live differently, I wonder, if we lived with the consciousness that we are creating memories as we move through each moment? That we are not only engaged in the process of building our future, as John Shar pointed out in the chalice lighting words, we are not only creating a future, but also contributing to someone's past. Someone we love, whose memory will hold us. That we are not only reaping the blessings and pain of our own existence, but sowing seeds for those who will continue after we are gone. That we are always and every day in bits and pieces along the paths of our lives, leaving a legacy. 
I'm not asking us to be neurotic about it. I don't want us to worry about the historical record of our every action. I don't want us to feel that we're under surveillance by future generations eager to expose our every flaw. Only to hold on to our realizations of what is truly important. Only to be aware of what lasts, what continues in the minds and hearts of others. What remains when our physical selves are gone. How would that consciousness affect our choices, our behavior, our focus? How would that change how we're going to be each day? Memorial Day reminds us that the relationship with the deceased continues with the living. Through memories, we are still connected to that person we remember. And often we find that interpreting and revisioning those memories through the light of our further experience, our relationship with that person who has died can still deepen. The possibilities for growth have not necessarily ended. Our stories go on. Our stories weave together with others. We are part of a continuous narrative, a great, wide, intricate, mind-boggling, interdependent, interconnected story. I remember some years ago now when Hanji's mother, Margie, was hospitalized for a light stroke and an apparent heart attack. She was in a rehabilitation facility, and I remember her phone calls and how she kept asking Hanji to, she was asking her to repeat what exact, exactly happened on the night she was taken to the hospital. It was as if hearing the details enough times from others, she could replace that missing piece of her memory supply the missing pages of her story so that the narratives flowed smoothly. This is a common reaction, I think, when because of illness or trauma or anesthesia or some other cause, we have missing time. We naturally want to fill it in with a retelling of the circumstances. And through rep repetition, it becomes almost indistinguishable from our own memory of the event. But what that speaks to for me is to a larger process, one that we sometimes forget is happening, but we are always telling ourselves the story of ourselves. And it is important to us that the narrative retain its integrity. And the wonderful thing about understanding our lives as story is that as long as we live, there is always possibility. Who knows what will happen in the next chapter? And not, as we are not only the main character, but also share in writing credits for the story of our lives, not only what happens to us, but what happens through us. What happens because of what we decide we will do, who we decide to forgive, where we decide to put our time and energy, 
and the next chapter can provide change not only in and of itself, but depending on what happens, it can change our understanding of the whole book. You know what I mean? As we learn, understand, and appreciate more about someone, we find that even our earliest memories of that person are changed in light of what we understand now. We see that person not only as we knew them then, but as we have grown to know them. The next chapter that includes forgiveness can change our understanding of all the acrimony that has gone before. The next chapter that includes honesty can change our understanding of all the deceit that has gone before. The next chapter that includes a healing touch, someone to listen, moments of peace, can change our understanding of the pain that has gone before. Because we must understand that memories are not always pleasant. There are memories that burn, memories that bleed, memories that we may want to run from. There are memories of deep regret or recollections of pain inflicted by others. There are memories so painful that we seek to detach them from the rest of our lives. Soldiers in combat, victims of violence, those who've suffered childhood or domestic abuse, victims or perpetrators of brutality and terror and deception. There is a desire by all of us to edit those parts of the story, to rewrite those passages. And we know we can't. We can't rewrite those chapters. We can't delete them. We can't pretend they aren't part of the story. But we can transform our understanding of what they mean in the context of the ongoing narrative. We can point to the promise of the next chapter, we can promise there is more to the story. Many of us may be going through difficult times right now, maybe in circumstances so painful that they threaten to consume our stories, threaten to spill over onto all the other pages, threaten to destroy the chapters we so much wanted to live. We can't promise any rewrites. We can't delete those chapters or the chapters we struggle through right now. We can't pretend they aren't part of the story, but we can point to the promise of the next chapter. We can promise there is more to the story. What looks to be the end may turn out to be, in memory, only prelude. To honor memory, we choose to live open-hearted, open-eyed in that possibility. We nurture that possibility and promise in religious community and vow to do our best to keep it alive for future generations. We understand that transformation can occur from the seemingly smallest of gestures as we intentionally explore the importance of how we're going to be with each other. We will not forget to remember. 
You honor memory. We lift up and celebrate those things that last beyond our lives, those things that will endure in the lives of those we touch, those things that remain. And so, listen. Listen. 